1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to follow along, probably just 11 to 15, if you're there with me, 1 Corinthians 3, 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is, if any man's work abide which he built, hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. It says in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, 5, 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And Romans chapter 14, verse 12, if you want to listen to Romans 14, verse 12, says for us here, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. So those are not words we necessarily want to hear sometimes, but they are words that are true. We will give account of ourselves to God. Let us pray together. Lord, forgive me of sin. Empty me of self, please, and fill me with your spirit this day. I pray I would say nothing amiss. I pray that you'd help this message this morning to encourage hearts. That is my goal, to encourage us all to be faithful to serve. So Lord, help me today with those teaching downstairs. Bless our time together. May we say as we leave your house, it's been good to be in your house. May we live our lives to serve you. And Lord, I would ask this question, and may it be our prayer this week. May others see Jesus in us this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I think the more honest we are, the, the, we are somewhat tempted to conclude that we will not receive any rewards. As a Christian, I, I often wonder, will there be anything really that I have done with the right motives, etc.? And so the faithful Christian wonders, we're, we're sort of wonder if we're like the un, unfaithful servant who buries their treasure in the ground, uh, but the Lord is going to search our hearts as we will know. Is there anything we hope is there? We will one day hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I trust you're longing for that. The thought of the thorough judgment, though, that even exposes all of our thoughts and motives is sometimes a little disconcerting, can cause us just a bit of angst. We're hoping, perhaps, that somehow we can slip into heaven and sit on the back pew. Now, if you're sitting on the back pew, I'm not trying to... If you sit on the back pew, and perhaps we'll be overlooked in heaven, and we will not have to respond or give an account of ourselves to God. There just are no back pews in heaven, although every Baptist church has about 10 back pews and about 15 up toward the front. I'm not sure how it works that way, but there we are. I actually like sitting in the back myself, but that very rarely happens I can sit in the back. Well, so we're just sort of a little bit of, we want this gold and silver and precious stones. I want, do you not want that to be part of what God comes through the fire? Don't you, I trust you want that. This wood, hay, and stubble, I'm afraid I'm going to have a bonfire in heaven. And we just sometimes, is there anything that, is it possible we can do anything for God? And the answer to that is yes. And I want to be an encouragement today. First of all, keep in mind, the value of a deed depends upon the attitude of the heart. Where'd you find that, Pastor? The, the, the Bible? the widow's two mites, the washing of Jesus' feet, the cup of cold water. If we wanted to do more for Christ but could not because of human limitation, I feel God takes our desires into account. Some of you this morning I know would like to do more, but you just can't. I would tell my mom, Mom, the Lord knows you would be in church today if you could be. He knows that. He takes that into consideration. And I believe that it's true. I think the Bible bears that out. 
It says in 2 Corinthians 8.12, For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. One pastor's application was this, If you give $10, but would give more if you had it, you'll be rewarded for more than the amount that you gave. If you intended to give a dollar, but you accidentally dropped a $20 bill on the offering plate, you'll be rewarded for that $1. It's the attitude of the heart. Where do you see that? It says in Mark chapter 12, 43, regarding the widows, Mike, 12, 43 of Mark. And he called unto them his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast of, of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. She put in more. She put in two mites. And yet God rewarded her more than the Pharisees who threw in the $50,000 checks. I'm not just guessing. I don't know how much it was. It wasn't, there were no checks back then, whatever. Now, they would put it in the big coffer. They'd put their coins in this big metal jar. Oh, my goodness. Can you hear those? That's like when you go to cash your coins into the coin machine. That was the idea. Oh, Pastor Wright must have gone by because I couldn't hear a thing drop in the bucket. Oh, there, Mr. Boys must have gone by because it sounded like a waterfall when he went. That was they did it for show. We're not to be giving for show, as you well know, no pun in, or poem intended there. Her gift was precious because she gave of the abundance of her heart. By the way, widows in that culture had a difficult time surviving if they did not remarry. And so for her to give those two mites all that she had was a big deal. There's a sign in, in one of the ladies where I work that says, yes, I am kind of a big deal. And I like that sign. Yes, I am kind of a big deal. And so this was a big deal, but she didn't. It wasn't like she said, oh, Jesus is watching. I'll put my two mites. That's all I've got. But it wasn't like that at all. I don't think she knew he's watching. She gave all she had. So what is what is her attitude? Now, reminder: we could note in passing that a good motive does not mean that we enjoy doing a particular deed. Certainly, the servants and slaves of Paul's time did not delight in treating their masters, who were often cruel, as they would treat Christ. God asks us often to do hard things, to suffer unjustly, to endure suffering of every sort. The test of a motive is whether it is done for Christ, quite apart whether the experience is pleasant or not. Are you bearing it for Christ, is the question. And secondly, keep in mind that Christ takes our good deeds, as if done in his name, and makes them acceptable to the Father. The truth is, even when we serve with a, a selfless motive we think we're serving, perhaps there's some kind of little tidbit of something in there that is self-serving, if you would. We help a woman across the street, whether she's old or not. I hope someone sees that. Did anybody from Little Sandy Baptist Church see me help that woman across the street? I stopped. I, I gave $5 to the man on the side of the road who was at the stoplight, and I gave him hope that someone, did anybody beep? What? No one beep. That's not how we're to do it. Pastor Lutzer says uh, from Chicago, he says, One day a young woman abandoned her car and was walking along the street in obvious distress. I stopped and learned that her car had run out of gas, so I drove to a gas station, purchased a can filled with gas, and drove back to her car. As I was pouring gas into her car while standing in the ditch, dressed in my business suit, the thought came to me, I wish that all the people of Moody Church could see me now. Mixed motives. So the question is, how can these works become acceptable to God? How does this fit with God's prophetic schedule? We're standing before God. 
It's prophesied. It will happen. And we're going to give an account of what we have or have not done for God. Now, we're not standing there to be adjudicated for our sin, praise the Lord. Our sin is put behind his back. They are buried in the depths of the deepest sea. We're not going to be accountable for our sin. They were paid once and for all, praise the Lord. But rewards or loss of rewards, yes. It's where we're going to be placed into the kingdom of God. I tell you, I cannot hold a candle to like David Brainerd. Those men, they're going to be given these great responsibilities in heaven because they were so faithful here on earth. We'll quickly go down the road and you'll walk with me at the... Fewer stripes and many stripes. Those who have done worse will be held, will be uh, suffer greater punishment in eternity. We'll go with that. But I think also on the same side, those who have done more for Christ will be rewarded more. It only stands to reason. It only stands to Bible. The Bible's clear about that. We're not to work for Christ, by the way, as an employee or employer, but as sons and daughters in a loving family. Christ works in us and for us to please the Father. He takes our acts done with our good intentions and cleanses them so that they might be acceptable to God. Where did you read that, Pastor? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says for us here, ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house uh, and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So he takes what we are doing and makes them palatable. Don't you think he takes some of your prayers sometimes and makes them palatable to God? Have you ever prayed a selfish prayer? Have you ever prayed? Yes, pastor, we know we've all prayed. If you, if you, we have prayed selfish prayers. And we pray sometimes to do this. Do that. Don't you think the Holy Spirit, God, takes those and makes them palatable to God the Father? Yes. Bible. Sacrifice is then acceptable by or through Christ. The reformers had it right. Before our salvation, our deeds had no merit whatsoever in God's sight. If you're here and you don't know Christ as Savior, the only thing you can do to please God is to receive Him as personal Savior. And that would please Him greatly, by the way. But if you know Christ as Savior, and you allow the, Jesus to work through your life, you can do some things for God with the right motives that will be pleasing to Him. Matter of fact, the Romans said, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable, reasonable service. Not unreasonable. He's a, a ta- no, we are children of God. We are to, he's our Father. We should, we should love to serve Him. God is especially pleased when He sees, in his, us, sees his Son in us, in me, in you. I love that song Ron Hamilton wrote. I saw Jesus in you. I saw Jesus by the words you say, by the things you did. I saw Jesus in you. Think back this week. Do we see more times in your life where we saw Jesus or we saw something else? I bet we could go back pretty... You know, I think I didn't act like Jesus very much. What's the times act like Jesus? Do hmm. uh, hmm. you see what I'm saying? We should. They want to see Jesus, and they. By the way, they are. They're, they're right by asking. How do you say that, Pastor? You're Christian, right? You're following whom? Christ. You should be a shining example of what a Christian looks like. If you've lost that fervor, get it back. Get it back. I saw Jesus in you. I can think of 
hardly think of a higher praise from the world than for someone to say to you, hey, I saw Jesus. I don't even know for sure who he is, but I know that that's what he would want us to do. So God is especially pleased when he sees Jesus in us. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. The works that are most acceptable are those done with the conviction that there is no merit in us, but it's all of Christ. But we all are as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, menstrual claws. The most revolting thing you might think. That's what our righteousnesses are as. So we must have Christ. Without faith is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder, that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So with that intro in mind, turn if you want to follow on the back of your bulletin, there's seven things. What is Christ looking for? And we'll fill those in as we go along. What is Christ looking for? Number one, he's looking for joyful acceptance of injustice. Joyful acceptance of injustice. Not something we really want to do necessarily, but joyful acceptance of injustice. So, Matthew chapter 5, if you have your turning fingers ready, you'll need those today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, he was very straightforward. Now, what is Christ looking for at the, the judgment seat of the just? Not the great white throne judgment. Do not confuse that at the end of the millennium, the great white throne judgment with the judgment of the just, the bema seat, the bema seat, however you want to pronounce it. When Christ judges us for reward or loss of reward, Matthew chapter four, Matthew chapter five, verse eleven. Matthew five eleven, please. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Reward. If you get fired from your job for your faith in Christ or you're ostracized from the company perks because you won't give in to their, what they want you to do because of your convictions or you won't allow to become dishonest in where you're working, etc. or in whatever dealings, if you stay faithful and you, and you miss out on some things, rejoice. A doctor in Chicago was telling how that he was trying to get his hospital to hold true integrity in all their dealings, and he was called on the carpet for it, even by other believers. Do you not know it's making it hard for us when you stand up for what is right? We are to stand up for what is right. He continued on, though, because right is still right. Do right till the stars fall. The author of Hebrews warned the readers that if they did not suffer for Christ successfully, they would be the losers. In Hebrews 10.35, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. The deep conviction that God is, was testing them and the distress would give them courage to remain loyal, to remain faithful. God is going to reward you, Christian, as you serve Him. He will. 1 Peter 2.19, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience sake toward God endure grief and suffereth suffering wrongfully. So a joyful acceptance of injustice. Second is financial generosity. Financial generosity. Matthew 6, 19. Please turn over a couple pages there. We'll be there in a moment. Christ repeatedly spoke about money as a test of loyalties. There was about, there's over 2,300 verses in the Bible that speak about money. 2,300. 
He said, in fact, we cannot entrust even the mammon of unrighteousness. We should not think, if we can't be entrusted with that, that he's going to give us more responsibilities. And so we started out as a child. We had perhaps, uh, I think my first allowance was 50 cents a week. I can't remember if that's correct or not. And they had to do my chores to get a dollar. It went up to a dollar a week allowance. Woohoo! And so, but we started out small. So I think my wife gives me a dollar fifty now. So there we go. Just, just teasing. That's not true. Very little humor. I think I actually get twenty bucks a week. I think, which is true. It's a faithful, a faithful promise. Lay not up. Matthew six nineteen. Lay not for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your treasure? We try, as, as a church, we try to keep as much as possible the giving statement private. As much as possible, we do that. Why? Well, who gives in secret wants to be rewarded openly. And perhaps uh, we might think if people find out what the big donors are, they might treating the, start treating the, he comes in with a ring and a, and a cloak, etc., as the Bible says in James. We might treat them differently. Well, so-and-so, did you know how much he gave? The, we don't need to know those things. I don't, I don't know what you give, and you don't know what I give, and that's the way we, God knows. That's all who needs to know. And perhaps some pastor quipped a third reason why we give so little we want anybody else to know. But that was a, somebody else said that. I didn't say that. But, we, but God knows. It doesn't matter whether other people know. But it doesn't matter that God knows, and we are to be giving graciously. Our checkbooks will one day be carefully examined. Now, I haven't balanced my checkbook for, I want to say, at least three years. Have you balanced yours in the last three years? Okay, thank you. Okay. But I go online, and I make sure that, that you, somebody hasn't, not you, someone hasn't hacked into my account. Every, I'm on there like every day, so I make, oh, oh, where'd, that, where'd that three cents come from? No. So I keep track of it pretty close. I don't balance it, but I keep track of it pretty close. So I know about where we are. Too, it takes too much time. But our, our checkbooks are going to be looked at one day. That would be a mistake to think that we're judged solely on the basis of what we give the church or the poor emissions. Let's never forget that all of our money really belongs to God. Everything you have is God's. And I tell you, he can take it quickly right back if he wants to. Just take a moment. It is God's. So this means that whatever we spend our lives on, whatever we invest or inherit, we shall give an account for it. Eternity is what matters. What's Christ looking for? Thirdly, hospitality. Hospitality. Chapter 25 of Matthew, if you're still there, verse 35. Suppose Christ scheduled a pay visit to our church. And the pastor, I'm looking, I say, now who is willing to have Jesus come to your home for supper this coming Wednesday night? Who? And everybody, oh, it's me, it's me. Let me have Jesus come to my house. Wouldn't that be something? Well, someday Christ is going to invite people to the kingdom. Matthew 25, 35. Now we know the context. We know the context is the verses before it and the verses after it. And that's how we fit it in. So the context is the tribulational period. That's the context of these verses. I believe the principle, though, holds through further than that. Matthew 25, 35, part of the Olivet Discourse. For I was at hungered. And he gave me meat. I was thirsty and he gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. So when his people were startled 
we don't remember doing any of these things. And he said in verse 40, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. I think the principle carries through even to now. We can sign up to have Christ visit with us every night. I'll take Tuesday of this week, if you want to have me over. I really like uh, pork chops and baked potatoes and salad with a little bit of... Uh, some. You can have Christ over to your house. How so? If you've done it unto least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. But there's no, there's no glory in that, Pastor. Glory for whom? Well, I, I should get some kind of reward. Don't you think he will reward you for that? Yes. So instead of Christ coming over in a visible body, he can come over to you on the highway. Someone needs a, a, a gas in the car. Someone has a flat tire. Those are ways that we can show Christ. If you've done it among least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. It's the attitude of the heart. Again, but can you imagine if Jesus was coming to your house Wednesday at 5.30 for supper? You could put an announcement in the paper. I imagine you'd have a, I would hope, you would have, if it was really real, hundreds of people, I would, would you not want to go see Jesus? Yes. We can have him though. And great recompense in, in Luke 14. Then said he also unto them that bade him, Luke 14, 12, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends or thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again and give a recompense made to thee, or thee be made. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. For they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. You want reward, it's either here or there. You can put it in the paper. I'm having Mr. Womack over for supper. Now, you can look on Mr. Womack's Facebook and know just about what he has almost every evening for supper. And some of those things look really good. And some of those things I'll pass on, but some of those things, they look really good. His, his tastes are different than mine, and my tastes are different than yours. And that's what makes the world go around. That's what makes people raise turnips and stuffed peppers and things like that, and liver and onions. Because other people, and soup beans, pinto beans. Everybody I met, you like pinto beans? Oh, there's some, at least Katie says, no, good, well, and my wife, there's three of us now that don't like pinto beans. Everybody's like, what are you thinking? That's like the best meal. The senior sinners love pinto bean day. <gasps> so, those people that raise beans are happy in our area because most Greenup Countyans, 99.9% like them. Rewards. God will recompense us. As a matter of fact, I put in your bulletin this beautiful poem. If you want to open up to the, center, in the middle of your bulletin. How the great guest came. Bottom right. Why is it, Lord, that your feet delay? Did you forget this was the day? Then soft in the silence a voice he heard. Lift up your heart, for I kept my word. I was the beggar with bruised feet. I was the woman you gave to eat. I was the child on the homeless street. If you've done it among the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So, hospitality, what the Lord's looking for. Fourthly, spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Now, the Jews gave three spiritual disciplines. They habitually practiced giving alms and prayers and fasting. But Christ warned these should not be exercised publicly. Back over in Matthew chapter 6, please. Verse 3, Matthew 6, verse 3. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 3. But when thou dost alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thy, thine alms may be in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret shall reward, him shall reward thee openly. 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. It's possible to succeed in the eyes of men and fail in the eyes of God. If we are serving to be seen of men, we're going to get that reward then. If we were serving to be seen of God, we'll get the reward later. It's delayed gratification. We want the reward from God. If we get all our acclaim and praise in this life, we should expect no repayment recompense. I like this. We are rewarded by the person whose praise we seek. We are rewarded by the person whose praise we seek. If you're seeking the praise of men, I'm telling you, you're going to be disappointed and it's going to be short-lived. Can you not see how the world can turn on one day from one person being a hero to a, he's in a gutter the next or he's, he's, he's a terrible person and now tomorrow he's like, number, look at this person, how great he is. But yesterday he was, I don't care what yesterday was, today he's this. I say today, God's the same as he was yesterday, today, and forever. So we serve him, and he'll be faithful. Fifthly, faithfulness to our vocation. Colossians 3, please. Faithfulness to our vocation. What's Christ looking for? Now, the painful fact is that many people simply never find the right kind of job mix for them. And uh, I think a lot of people in the workplace just aren't happy with their jobs. Look at the people. Look at Indeed, how many people people have on people looking for jobs on Indeed. I've been in there, not recently, uh, but I've been in the past different times, and we're they're just not happy to want this. I'm really enjoying my job. I like my job now. Too much of it, but there it is. But, but, but we find then that this, this lack of doing, but the need of money forces people to continue on. Sometimes jobs ignite boredom, frustration, conflict, or people, you're underpaid, etc. Put yourself in the, in the back to time machine to the Year the, Bi- the years of the Bible, someone has said there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire across the 60 million slaves. He had no rights, no chance of promotion, no court of appeals. Paul wrote that they should treat their masters well, and the masters should treat them well. It was the gospels what changed their lives, Paul would write. Servants, 322 of Colossians, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that the Lord you shall receive the reward of an inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Tomorrow I'm serving the Lord by working at Five Co. Area Development District. So I'm serving the Lord there, because that's where he's called me to be at this point in time in my life. So we are to serve the Lord now, I'm working for them, but I'm really serving the Lord more than anything. And that's the way you should be in your mindset. Paul's not insensitive to the the slight or the plight of the slaves. He urges their masters to be fair. And the gospel is really the only answer. By the way, the gospel is really the only lasting answer even today. The world, the greatness is determined by simply for the world is how many people you can rule. I think Vladimir Putin would only be happy, if he could be happy, if he ruled the entire world. Do you think he's going to stop with Ukraine? No. He will not stop until he's in the grave or someone puts him there, most likely. And that's how they they measure the status. How many people can you rule over? That's not in the kingdom. It's how many people can you serve? That is like rule, serve, completely opposite. Yes. 
The Bible says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. If you want to have the possibility of ruling at Christ's right hand, don't seek it by trying to get some lofty spiritual position and use it as a stepping stone and buy five planes and have a huge a, a 500 or however millions of dollar home and all these planes and try to get up in society. That's not how you earn your way in heaven. You can't earn your way, period. It's humble service. Greatest example, Jesus our Savior. Sixthly, watching for Christ's return. What Christ's looking for, watching for his return. Luke 12, 35, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning and you yourselves likened to, to, unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding that when he cometh and knocketh they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he cometh shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. Are we watching for Christ's return? We have, we have a possibility to be rewarded. Now, Paul, for his great endurance in preaching, he's going to be rewarded greatly. We also can be rewarded if we are watching. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. He said that right before his head was separated from his body. Henceforth, there's laid it for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that what? Love his appearing. Are we looking for Christ's return? Or you've got your head so buried in this world, you never look beyond yourself. A crown of righteousness. Whatever you want to say of that crown of righteousness, whether it's a, a literal crown or some other type or a laurel crown, whatever, whatever we can agree on this, you can have it too. You can have it too. George Beverly Shea, the singer with the longtime singer with Billy Graham, was asked what he would like to be when Christ returned. And Beverly Shea said, on pitch. I would like to be on pitch when he returns. Finally, the acceptance of suffering. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. If you want to get over to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. What's Christ looking for? The acceptance of suffering. Now, there are other things in these seven. I'm just giving you seven to try to encourage us to serve the Lord. There's a pastor who was speaking on the West Coast and met a man whose, whose wife had a rare debilitating disease. The husband had to give her constant care for she was confined to a wheelchair, etc. Worse than the physical limitations, however, were her mental and emotional states of anger and continual discontent. If they went to church, she would appear pleasant. But on the way home, she would berate him for everything from his own conversations with people to his driving. He said to this pastor, I received no thanks, no kind words, no sense of teamwork. The pastor was so moved by the husband's story that he said, well, then I don't expect to see you in heaven. He said, I think you'll be so close to the throne that I will never see you, sir. The suffering. Are you willing to suffer for Christ? There's a, a, a reward for faithfulness. Paul, Peter said in 1.7 of 1 Peter, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Trials are given to us to, to develop our faith. That is the, the pre, that's precious to Christ. This faith gives us to, uh, by God to us. Nevertheless, will we'll be found to the praise and honor of Christ. It is all about Him. The sun does revolve around Him. The universe revolves around Christ. 
if we're faithful, we'll have the same opportunity to be close to the throne as that husband was as he took care of his invalid wife for so many years. We've got so many deeds we've already listed. We can't do them all consistently. But, we, but we're not going to be chided for the deeds we did not perform necessarily, I don't think. But though we undoubtedly will be shown what our lives could have been if we've been faithfully serving the Lord, we can rejoice in what God has for us. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work, Hebrews 6.10, and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God is going to be very meticulous when the word times come. The judgment of the just will be a time of reward for the Christian, for his faithful service, and that's part of God's prophetic schedule. Not only does he make us, he has redeemed us, and then he's going to reward us. What a mighty God! What a loving God we have. John and Betty Stan were killed in 1934 by the Chinese, and the president of Moody wrote these words. So this is life, this world with its pleasures, Struggles and tears, a smile, a frown, a sigh. Friendship so true and love of kin and neighbor. Sometimes it is hard to live, always to die. The world moves on so rapidly for the living. The forms of those who disappear are replaced. And each one dreams that he will be enduring. How soon that one becomes the missing face. Help me to know the value of these hours. Help me the folly of all waste to see. Help me to trust the Christ who bore my sorrows and thus to yield for life or death to thee. That should be it. Whether life or death, we're going to serve the Lord. As we peer into the future on the horizon, let's not jump ahead to the tribulation time and all these different things. The next thing is the rapture. And right after that, the judgment of the just, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. By and by, when I look on his face, beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face, by and by, when I look on his face, I will wish I'd given him more. So, when the Lord comes back, will you be on pitch in harmony with the Savior? Or is your life now out of tune with him? You can be in tune if you will confess your sin and get right with him. It's going to be a time of reward. What amazing things going to be. May we be preparing for the judgment of the just. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we think about your word this morning, so many ways that you've allowed us to serve, so many avenues of service and use for you, help us to do it with the right motives. Lord, I'm thankful that you take our, our actions and you make them acceptable to the Father, even though possibly, I'm sure many times our motives are not totally pure. And yet, you're so gracious to us. So Lord, we are thankful. May we not view this as slave and master. May we view it as sons and daughters for the Father. A chance to serve. Yes, we are, we are, his, we are his servants. We are his slaves, yes. But we are also his sons and daughters. May we serve this week. May others see Jesus in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.